checking out the Anchor Faith Message Podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. All right. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for this conference, all that you are imparting, and we pray that we have minds to receive, hearts to respond. Father, I thank you both that we are receptive to the word and responsive through application, that we can be bearers of fruit through all that we are receiving this week, Father. I thank you we are not hearers only. We are doers, and we see the word applied and accomplished in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Matthew 13, if you will. In true AFC fashion, Pastor Roman blew past his time. It's on the application to be an Anchor Faith Church pastor. You have to, if you finish a message within an hour, you are disqualified. So to his, uh, <laughs> y'all are catching. Pastor Daryl said, he said, there's something about an hour down here at Anchor Faith Church. It goes a lot longer than an hour anywhere else. Uh, but man, this conference has just been so rich. Have you received something already? Golly, it's just, my goodness, I could have just listened to that. And you know, to his credit, uh, he did have to say everything twice. So he really only preached about 34 minutes, <laughs> if you really count it. Uh, man, so we are talking about the mystery of the kingdom. We are talking about how we see, hear, uh, receive this kingdom word. It's been about 15 years Uh, now that I have been entrenched in the kingdom. And the thing that I have learned over these 15 years when it comes to the kingdom message uh, versus just receiving any message or any word is that the degree uh, of kingdom that is revealed or exhibited in your life directly correlates with the degree to which you receive the kingdom. You cannot exhibit, you cannot apply, you cannot live beyond what you comprehend, know, understand, or receive. And we saw in John chapter 3 that uh, Jesus had a conversation with the religious leader, the elite of the elite, the top dogs, if you will, when it came to matters uh, of of the kingdom of God that should have uh, been at the elite or at the top. Uh, Jesus has a conversation with Nicodemus, and Nicodemus says, Uh, Master, we hear the great teachings, we see the signs and the wonders, we see the miraculous taking place, uh, and we know that God is with you. And Jesus responds with a very interesting statement. He says, you cannot see the kingdom unless you are born again. Very interesting that he would immediately move to, man, you haven't even grasped the beginning of this thing. You are seeing the results of the kingdom. You're seeing evidence of the kingdom. You're seeing proof of the kingdom, yet you don't know where it's coming from. You don't fully understand what this kingdom is really all about. You haven't fully grasped what uh, I'm really coming to bring. And so we understand that the degree of the kingdom that we understand either enhances or limits the capacity of the kingdom life we live. I'll say that again. The degree of the kingdom that we understand either enhances or limits the capacity of the kingdom life that we live. And as we saw with Nicodemus, this is what happens, is where we uh, misunderstand something or where we fail to understand, we usually will redefine. 
I'm going quickly because this is a recap. You should already have this from yesterday. What I fail to understand, I usually will redefine. I'll dumb down. I'll lower its standard. I'll bring it to something that I can understand. And what we do essentially is we make God into something that looks like us. So rather than rising to his level, rising to his standard, rising to uh, what uh, he intended, the original meaning or the original purpose of something, we lower it down to our standard and we serve a God that looks a lot like us, sounds a lot like us, responds a lot like us. When God is calling us to rise, this is kingdom what? Kingdom rise. We are rising up. We are coming to a higher level. We are trying to discern uh, the original intent. And the thing is, is when I lower the standard, I compromise the purpose. When I lower the standard, I compromise the purpose. If the kingdom is something that already looks like what I'm living, then it's not really the kingdom. We're building our own kingdom. We're creating our own kingdom. Rather than entering his kingdom, he says, unless one is born again, you cannot see the kingdom. Born again uh, to Jesus meant something a lot different than what born again has come to mean to you and I. In society, in culture, in American Christianity, in the world we live in today, born again is just simply entrance. This is what, this is, let, me, let me just give you uh, an example. Let me give you a picture, an imagery of what this is. So the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us that none comes into the kingdom on our own, that we are drawn by the Spirit of God. And so this this leader, this guide, the Holy Spirit, he brings us to the kingdom, brings us to the entrance of the kingdom, shows us this great kingdom. Here's the entrance. And then he says, hey, let me show you around. Let me show you what faith looks like. Let me show you what healing looks like. Let me show you what what real deliverance looks like. Let me show you what redemption looks like. Let me show you what prosperity looks like. Let me show you what this kingdom's all about. And this is what we do. We say, that's okay, I'll take it from here. And we start journeying through this kingdom without the guide, the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us into what? All truth. If the Holy Spirit can get us to the kingdom, he can get us through the kingdom. And he's not just in our life to get us to the door and then leave us there. He's in there to get us to the door and say, let me show you what faith looks like in the kingdom. Let me show you what healing looks like in the kingdom. Let me show you what deliverance looks like in the kingdom. He should be guiding us throughout all and so what happens is, is we understand principles without the context. It's like you're in this house and you're going room to room. And I'm journeying through these rooms. The, we, we, we miss the forest for the trees. We start hugging trees. We start hugging elements, principles of the kingdom without the context of the kingdom, without the big picture of the kingdom. We're missing The context. And in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus describes this kingdom as a mystery. In verse 10, the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? In verse 11, he answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Meaning this, it can be right in front of you and you still miss it. Nicodemus could name the evidence. He could describe the proof, the tangible, visible results 
of the kingdom but miss where the results were coming from. I hear the awesome teaching. I see the amazing signs. I see the walking on the water and the multiplying of food and the casting out of demons and the raising of the dead and the delivering uh, all the things that Jesus did tangibly, but yet still miss the kingdom that was right in front of him. Crucify, murder, killed the very one that they thought they were looking for. And guys, we're still doing this today. We're still doing this today. And we think we understand principles, but without the context, we'll find that we will actually destroy both. We'll destroy both. No, he says it's a mystery. To you, it's been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them, it has not been given. In um, Mark chapter 2, I want to jump over here. Because I want to just give you my, um, I've got like 10 minutes to do all this. So, in uh, Mark chapter 2, I want to just give you a, a, a personal uh, reflection, if you will. Mark chapter 2, verse 21. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, or else the new piece pulls away from the old, and the tear is made worse. And no one puts new wine, everyone say new wine, into old wineskins, or else the new wine bursts the wineskins, the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. Look at this statement. But new wine, everyone say new wine, must be put into new wineskins. Everyone say new wineskins. Say new wine. Say new wineskins. 15 years ago, 14 years ago, when the kingdom message first came, Pastor Earl prepared us initially ministering a message on the unseen principle. In an effort for uh, us to be prepared in our minds to receive something new. He did this in the month of May and then in the month of June, he released the kingdom. He wanted to release the kingdom when he received the kingdom and the Lord told him, no, you've got to get it in you first and then you've got to prepare the church for this message. And of course, we don't know all the backstory. We just know for the month of May, he's ministering a series on the unseen principle, seeing the unseen, bringing the unseen into the scene. And he's preparing us. I remember on June 9th, uh, was it June 9th, 2000? June 7th, 2009? Um, I played drums for worship, and then my wife and I, we were the children's pastors here, and so we uh, were serving that morning. And so I did not hear the initial message, the initial release. We just had the one service. We're serving uh, back with the elementary students like we did just about every week. And so we went to lunch with uh, Pastor Marcus and Pastor Meredith. We were at Arby's right over here on 312. And I said, I got to hear... Share with me, what, 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 because service obviously went super long, longer than usual. <laughs> Got to clarify that. It already goes long. It went longer than usual. Plus, Pastor Oben Minute been building up to this for a long time. And I'm thinking, man, I got to know what was the release? What was this message? What's this thing that he released? And so they're explaining it to us, the kingdom, the kingdom. And these are all, the, the, the thing about this message was it was all things that we had heard before. 
It was all words that were heard before. I've heard kingdom. I've said kingdom. He just said it a year prior. He ministered a message on the government of God. We understood principles without the context. And so I'm thinking, well, you know, I know about the kingdom. I understand kingdom. The, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. We know the kingdom, kingdom of God. And Pastor Mark is like, no, no, this, this was different. I mean, there's emphasis on the kingdom. And then, of course, we didn't just stop there. Then we started Kingdom Crusades where we actually took a Thursday, Friday, Saturday just to preach kingdom principles. And my personal story, just to be a little transparent, was for about six months I struggled. It was about June to December, maybe not a full six months. It was June to, sep- to September. June, July, August, September. For those four months, I struggled. I didn't struggle with the message of the kingdom. I struggled with the emphasis of the kingdom. The word that uh, I, I would use was there was an obsession about the kingdom and I could not reconcile it. And I'm thinking... Number one, this is all been, now I cannot, I, I cannot explain away the kingdom message. I'm struggling with its emphasis and I'm struggling with, and, and Marcus and I are having conversations, Josh Clay back there, we're having conversations, I had some conversations, with, and, and I'm reading the Miles Monroe books and I'm trying to download this, as we said yesterday, as information. And the number one struggle I had was, you know, my testimony is I was raised in church. I was raised in good churches. I was raised in word churches. I went to Rama Bible Training Center. I sat under Brother Hagen. I sat sat under some of the greatest Bible teachers this planet has ever seen. And I'm struggling on the inside, almost angry. Like, why have I never seen this before? Why am I struggling? Miles Monroe, I grew up listening and watching Miles Monroe. That's not the first time I heard Miles Monroe. Not the first time I heard his name. Not the first time I'd been around his. I knew he's a minister from the Bahamas. I know, I know what he preaches. I know what he believes. But there was this kingdom lens, this kingdom framework that I was struggling to grasp and get a hold of. And in September of that year, Pastor Earl took us uh, as staff to a, a local church here in town and a minister, a very well-known minister, came. It was a very small group, maybe 150, 200 people. Wasn't that many people there. And he ministered on the kingdom. And he opened with this verse right here in Mark chapter 2. He opened with, no one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine bursts the wineskins. The wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined. New wine must be put into new wineskins. And when he ministered from this position, I got it. I wasn't struggling with the wine. I was struggling with the wine skin. I had them reversed. I had been trying to put the kingdom in everything I knew. I had to take everything I knew and I had to put it in the kingdom. I was trying to take, 
In essence, we've already said it. I don't know how many times just in these last several days you hear us say it a lot here at Anchor Faith Church. The kingdom of God is not a subject. If this is just a subject to you, if this is just four days of of focusing on the kingdom, then that's all you're going to get out of it. But the kingdom must be the entire theme of every subject, every principle. It is the context through which every subject has to be viewed. It is the framework. It is the lens through which now I view every other principle. In this passage, these two words, but new wine must be put into new wineskins. In the English, the word new is the same word new. In the Greek, it is not. In the Greek, the first word, but new wine, means new as in brand new. New in age. But the word new with new wineskins is not the word new as in new uh, in, in, as, as in age, as in length of time. It is new as in the word renewed, fresh. Uh, uh, the, the, the word uh, renewed meaning it has been there the whole time, but now I have to receive it as new. Renewed. Anybody know a verse that talks about the renewing of something? The wineskin has been there the whole time, but it has to become new to me. Otherwise, I will destroy the new wine, this new word, this new message. I will lose both the wine and the wineskin. The Amplified reads it this way. No one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins and the wine is lost and the bottles are destroyed. The new wine is to be put in new, fresh wineskins. This is why Jesus, when he came to minister, the very first words he said found in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When you see when, when you begin to receive the kingdom message, you now have to go back and reevaluate everything you ever knew or thought you knew. It all has to be put back through the filter of the kingdom. We've been doing this at our church now for the last, I don't know, six or seven weeks. We've been redefining, redefining principles in the word of God, that are basic elementary truths that we thought we knew just as believers and putting them through the wineskin of the kingdom of God. We've been ministering on topics such as lordship. We explain the difference between Savior and Lord. Righteousness. The word of God. I just took two weeks to talk about the, the law of the word and the constitution of the word. The word of God in the lens of the kingdom of God. Because we all know what the Bible is, but when you understand that the Bible is the law of God, as in a nation, as in a government, it's a constitution that declares to you your rights and your privileges, the aspirations of the king for his citizens, 
It changes everything, God. It makes everything make sense. And it's a mystery unless it's revealed. I tried to receive the kingdom as information and I got locked up every time. I received the kingdom as revelation and doors opened up. And he says that when you want to hear, when you have the fervency, the urgency, the intentionality to hear, you will have abundant clarity. But when you don't want to hear, eventually you will refuse to hear. And I've watched people over the years, over the last 14, 50 years, 15 years, as they receive the word of the king. Some of them, they lock up immediately. Don't want anything to do with it. And I'll explain why in just a second. Some of them receive it immediately with joy. That's why Matthew 13, the parable of the sower, is the paramount parable for every other parable that you'll ever receive. Because it shows you how people receive it. Some receive it with joy. Persecution comes because of the kingdom. They immediately fall away. We watched people leave in the following months after the kingdom message was declared. Isn't that true? Got locked up on the kingdom. Some got locked up initially when it was given. Some received it with joy and then were like, well, wait a minute. I'm being persecuted. I'm being questioned. I'm being challenged. Others walked away because of deceitfulness of riches and their own agendas and ideas. And then, of course, there's the last where they received it, they applied it, they understood it, and it became fruitful in their lives. There's two mentalities that the kingdom of God will always buck up against, that will always come to, that are a direct contrast and will always conflict with the kingdom. Number one is the American mentality. If you have an American American democratic mentality, the kingdom of God will destroy, disrupt, will ruin everything you thought freedom and liberty and independence was. It destroys it every time. Miles Monroe even made the statement in 1991 when he came to the U.S. and started delivering. He told the Lord, I can't even, I can't get this message across to Americans. They enjoy too many freedoms. They enjoy too many liberties. They enjoy too much democratic personal say. I get to vote in and vote out, and I get to have a decision-making process, and the king doesn't invite you into that process. You get to enjoy the benefits of the king because he declares over you what you need. He knows what you need. He knows what you don't need. And you learn to just fully submit to the king and his word. The second mentality is religion. Religious. You know, I, 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 I felt like Nicodemus. Jesus makes a statement later on in that conversation. He says, how are you, a respected Jewish teacher, not able to comprehend this? It's, it's, he's asking it sarcastically, meaning all your information will not help you. And I had to come to the realization, my upbringing, my background, the phenomenal word I've sat under, going to Bible school, having a diploma, those were not the qualifications for receiving the kingdom. The qualification for receiving the kingdom was a heart that says yes. It's what Pastor Ramon just got done showing us with obedience. If you want to hear the voice of God, learn to say yes before he speaks. If you're waiting to hear what he says to determine if I will obey or not, then you're going to close yourself off to the revelation of the word of God. It is a guarantee you will flood with abundance when you say yes. Yes, Lord. Your servant is listening. It's a yielded heart. 
Because we said this yesterday, mysteries are not discovered through information, they are discovered through revelation. That's how you receive a, a, a mystery. That's how you have mysteries opened up to you. That's how you see things that everybody else is missing. Everybody else is reciting verses and, and, and quoting pastors and quoting teachers, and they're listening. Guys, the, the people that are missing the kingdom, they go to church every weekend. The guys that are missing the kingdom listen to podcasts. The guys that are listening to kingdom promote books and, 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 and retweet tweets and, and requote on Instagram, and they, but they're missing the kingdom message, and it's right in front of them. Everybody says we want a move of God. Well, does anybody want the God of the move? Do you just want the results of the kingdom? Or do you want the kingdom that invites you to be a participant and produce the results of the kingdom? There's a difference. And if you are religious, then you will be uh, relegated to a bystander, standing aside, applauding a miracle, yet not changed by one. Yet not able to participate and produce the fruit and results of the kingdom of God. And that's what Jesus is telling Nicodemus here. He says, you can attest to the miracles, the signs, the wonders, the evidence, the proof, but yet you don't even, you, you, you see the effects of the wind and how it's blowing, but you don't know where it comes from. You're reduced to the natural, tangible results. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of the kingdom of God. I want to produce the results. Jesus is trying to invite us into the process that doesn't just allow us to sit back. And we have a country that's crying out for revival. I don't want a move of God. I want to be a move of God. I want to be a part of what he's doing. And that's what this is all about. The mystery is right in front of me. So let's go back to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13, the new King James. Jesus makes a statement, for whoever has to him more will be given and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away from him. Today I want to focus on the emphasis of the posture of the heart. The posture of the heart. Because this is, this is where people get locked up and trapped. And the kingdom has a way of revealing someone's heart better than any other message. Your heart will get revealed. Your heart will, will, will come to the surface. What's in you will come to the surface when the kingdom message, it's that confronting. That's why we make such bold statements. If you've, you've been here at Anchor Faith Church or even in Valdosta or any location probably for any length of time, we make some in-your-face statements. Jesus never preached one message about being born again. Jesus never preached a message about going to the cross. Jesus never preached a message about dying and going to heaven. Why do we make these such confrontational, disruptive things? Because we've got to get the mind switched over quickly. You cannot ease your way into this kingdom. You have to blast your way. You've got to shut things down. We've got to unravel things. The kingdom comes to confront. Jesus came disrupting things, disrupting measures and disrupting ideas. He says, you say, you say if you uh, sleep with another woman that you've committed adultery. I say that if you lust after a woman in your heart, he's disrupting things. He's dismantling man's ways and man's ideas and man's agendas. And the kingdom dismantles it. It tears these things apart. 
And we have to be confrontational. We have to be, uh, 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 be able in love, of course. But the posture of the heart is the key. I'll make this statement. What you treasure, you attract. What you treasure, you attract. Because he says, to him who has, more will be given. And he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken away. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because seeing, they do not see. And hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. Now, this is what he says in verse 14. In them, the prophet, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. Hearing, you will hear and shall not understand. Seeing, you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have what? Grown dull. That's not treasuring. That's not valuing. That's not honoring. And the honor and the value and the treasuring is not taking place by attending church week in and week out. It's, it, it's, it's determined by the heart. Because you can attend church week in and week out with the wrong heart, the wrong posture, not treasuring, valuing, and honoring, and miss what's being delivered. No, we have a posture of the heart to deal with. He says, their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts in turn, so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see. Blessed are your ears, for they hear. Watch this in verse 17. Assuredly, I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired, everyone say desired, desired, desired to see what you see and did not see it, to hear what you hear and did not hear it. There are people that value what we sleep through, what we overlook, what we miss. We value the wrong things. We're aware of the wrong things. We desire the wrong things. And Jesus is trying to get to the value system. He's using this parable. He said, to us, it has been given. To you, it has been given. But to them, it has not. You value it differently than they do. Value is always determined by investment. Why did they qualify and the others didn't? Because they left everything to follow Jesus. They left home. They left father and mother. They left comfort. They left convenience. Come on, all the things we talked about yesterday. There's too many church people that desire comfort and wonder why they're not seeing the move of God, seeing the things of God, because you're too comfortable. Pastor Marcy in our uh, prayer time yesterday gave a call. Get out of the comfort zones. Get, disrupt these things. Somebody needs to make a radical shift, spirit, soul, and body, dismantling everything you know. You can have growth or you can have comfort, but you cannot have both. In the, uh, in the Amplified. Let's see where we want to go. Matthew chapter 13 in the Amplified. Verse 9, actually, beginning at the end of the, the parable, he says this. He who has ears to hear, let him be listening. Let him consider and perceive and comprehend by hearing. Look at all that. Ears to hear, 
Let him be listening. Let him consider and perceive and comprehend by hearing. Verse 11 in the Amplified says, and he replied to them to you, and it's been given to know the secrets and mysteries. Remember, we said that a mystery is a secret thing or a hidden thing. Jesus actually spoke in parables so that it would conceal the truth from those that did not want to know the truth. He was concealing it. And something concealed must be revealed. But he's saying it in a way, speaking it in a way that only those that want to know will know. Meaning if you don't want to know, then you won't know. But the danger is if you continue to posture yourself in a position of uh, that you won't know, eventually you will refuse to know. Even when there are undeniable proofs right in front of you. Watch this in, in, uh, in, um, in John, John chapter 12. John chapter 12. John chapter 12 and verse 37. But although he had done so many signs before them, what does it say? They did not believe in him. Do we have that up there? Although he had done so many signs before them, they did not See, if I continue to remain in a posture of I'm not giving urgency, I'm not giving intention, I'm not valuing and honoring the word, eventually I'll move from a position of not knowing to refusing to know. Right. I refuse to know. Look at this in the Passion Translation. This is crazy. In the Passion Translation, verse 37, even with the overwhelming evidence of all the many signs and wonders that Jesus had performed in front of them, his critics still refused. You'll go from watching a miracle to critiquing a miracle. Just a few verses earlier, they asked for a sign. Show us another sign. Show us another sign. He calls them an evil and adulterous generation. All you want is the, you know what adultery means? Adultery means that I enjoy all the benefits without the commitment. I want the signs without the commitment to the kingdom. I want the results without the commitment to the relationship with the king. You just want signs. You just want all the fun stuff without enjoying, the, without enduring the commitment, the requirement to see the signs. It says, even with overwhelming evidence. You don't have to turn there. You can just mark it down. In Mark chapter 6, we mentioned this yesterday. The same thing happened. He began to teach in the synagogue in his hometown, Nazareth. Where did this man get these things? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? How are these miracles performed by his hands? What? They're watching all the results. They're seeing all the evidence. They've got the proof right in front of them, yet still become offended and say, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this the son of Mary, the brother of James? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they were offended by him. Imagine watching a miracle and yet still becoming offended by one. 
This is what happens when we have no urgency and no value and no honor. That's what offense is. Jesus even makes the statement, a prophet is without honor in his own hometown. I get honored everywhere else, but I come home. And because you know me, you know my background, you know you saw me grow up, I built your, your, ba- your bed and your dining table. Because you know my family, you're well acquainted with my humanity, you can't receive my deity. And they were offended. We'll talk about familiarity a little bit tomorrow. Verse 6 of that uh, Mark chapter 6 says he was amazed at their unbelief. And it says this, he goes around the villages teaching. Teaching. Not informing, revealing. But again, we know that Jesus doesn't reveal. the, the He doesn't bring the pearls before the swine. He doesn't give what is worth of great worth and of great value in a way that it can be. See, this is the thing. If you squander, if you... Ah, Let me say it. I got to say it the right way. If you don't steward the word, you will squander the sign. Say that again. If you don't steward the word, you will eventually squander the sign. If we don't value, honor the word of the kingdom, we will eventually waste the signs of the kingdom. A miracle is not going to make a difference. Even the miracles, Jesus said that the miracles are what? Confirming the teaching of the word. It's all designed to point you back to the teaching. Designed to point you back to the word. We got people that are running after signs. Uh, uh, Pastor Ramon just said, I need another revelation. I need another prophetic word. I need another sign. I need another revival. Bouncing on. They have no value or honor for the word. They want to show. They want to be entertained. They want to be performed to. The word's got to be paramount. The word has got to be the foundation of the kingdom. All right, Matthew 13. Let's keep looking through this. Back in the Amplified. about the posture of the heart. In verse 13, Matthew 13, verse 13 in the Amplified, this is the reason that I speak to them in parables because having the power of seeing, they do not see. Having the power of hearing, they do not hear, nor do they grasp and understand. In them is is the process of fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah, which says you shall indeed hear and hear, but never grasp and understand. You shall indeed look and look, but never receive and perceive. For this nation's heart has grown gross, fat, and dull. Their ears heavy and difficult of hearing. Their eyes they have tightly closed, lest they see and perceive with their eyes and hear and comprehend the sense with their ears. Grasp and understand with their heart and turn and I should heal them. But blessed, happy, fortunate, be envied, are your eyes because they do see and your ears because they do hear. Truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous men, men who are upright and in right standing with God, yearn to see what you see and did not see it 
to hear what you hear. It says they, they yearned to see, yearned. Guys, do we understand the value of what we have to sit in front of? This is the same thing is repeated in Romans chapter 10. We know verse 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But look at it in the Amplified. Look at it in the Amplified. Verse 17. Faith comes by hearing what is told and what is heard comes by the preaching of the message that came from the lips of Christ, the Messiah himself. Now watch this in verse 18. Maybe many of us haven't journeyed past that verse that we all know, very familiar with. But verse 18 says, but I ask, have they not heard? Indeed, they have. Why is Jesus going to return and say, will I find faith in the earth? He says, indeed, they have. For the scripture says their voice, that of nature bearing God's message has gone out to all the earth and their words to the far bounds of the world. Again, I ask, did Israel not understand? Did the Jews have no warning that the gospel was to go forth to the Gentiles, to all the earth? First, there is Moses who says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With the foolish nation, I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, quoting the same prophecy that Jesus just pointed us to. I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown, revealed myself to those who did not consciously ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long, I have stretched out my hands to a people, here it is, unyielding and disobedient and self-willed to a fault-finding, contrary and contradicting people. We saw that Paul said uh, over in Ephesians that it is God's will to make known to you the mysteries. God is extending his hand, stretching forth, giving you every opportunity to receive the revelation. We are not missing revelation because he's failing to produce it. We are missing revelation because we are failing to yield to it. I mean, Pastor Ramon set me up perfectly. I really don't even have that much to say because of what he brought. It's the disobedience. It's coming in with disobedient hearts, guys. It's coming in with the, with the lack of yieldedness. The posture of your heart has everything to do with what you receive or don't receive. There's two ways you can come in here. You can come in here saying, what do I not yet know? Or you can come in saying, what do I already know? You know how many people go to church only wanting to hear what they already know? People will tell me this, and they, they say it in good intentions. I understand what they're saying. And sometimes I'll correct them, and sometimes I'll just let it go on. But they'll come in and say, I love this church because you preach what I believe. Well, wait until I preach what you don't yet believe. Wait till I flip something on the head that you thought you knew that's like, oh, wait a minute. I don't know. I mean, until you've had that in your heart, until you've had that, mm. Now, not, there's a questioning 
that challenges God, and there's a questioning that says, I want to know more. The Bereans search the scriptures to not to question. I don't know if Paul's really, I don't know what this Peter guy's really. No, they said, man, we got to dig in here. We got to find this for myself. I'm not going to believe this because Peter said it. I'm not going to believe it because Paul said it. I'm not going to believe it because Pastor Earl said it. I'm not going to believe it because they said it at Kingdom Rise. I got to know this for myself. But there's a lot lot of Christians that only remain as long as they're agreed with. And they force the word of God to bow to their opinion and their idea. This is the thing about the enemy. If the enemy can't keep you from going to church, he'll get you to do it for the wrong reasons. If he can't keep you from reading the Bible, he'll get you to do it for the wrong reasons. If he can't keep you from praying, he'll get you to do it for the wrong reasons. And it's called religious activity. And you end up like Jesus talking to Nicodemus. How are you? a respected Jewish leader? How are you grown up in the word of faith? How are you a Rhema Bible College student? If we do not have a propensity to continue to learn, continue to know, continue to discover, continue to be revealed to, if you've come to the conclusion, I've learned it all and there's nothing else to discover and I just want to continue to live my life, finding people that agree with what I already know, then you will not only put yourself in a position where I won't know, I'm putting my position, put myself in a position I refuse to know. And now I critique every person that I hear. I critique even the miracles, the evidence. I can't deny the evidence, but I disclaim the evidence. And I just made it very difficult for everybody interpreting to somebody in this room, and I apologize. I just went super quick. But they're good at what they do. It's the posture of the heart. It's the yieldedness. A yielded heart attracts the voice of God. But eventually, an unyielded heart. He says, unyielding, disobedient. I love this one. Self-willed. Meaning your will is higher than his will. That's not your kingdom come and your will be done. Many people only want God's kingdom as long as it agrees with their will, their agenda, their opinion. And you find yourself seeing undeniable proofs and evidence and still saying, I don't know that I believe that. Denying the lordship of Christ. So we have to address this issue. We have to address this issue of valuing and honoring the word of God. That's what Jesus is trying to get us to. I want to read this to you in Matthew chapter 13 in the Passion Translation. Starting with verse 10, his disciples approached Jesus and asked, why do you always speak to people in these hard to understand parables? See, the hard to understand should invite you to want to understand. But he, refused, he later gives a parable here in Matthew chapter 13. He says, the kingdom of God is like a treasure buried in the field. And when the man discovers that, there, that there's treasure, goes and buys the whole field just to gain access to the treasure. I value it that much. I value it that much. He explained, you've been given the intimate experience of insight 
into the hidden mysteries of the realm of heaven's kingdom. Man, I love that. Jesus said being born again is what allows you to see the kingdom, to behold the kingdom, to experience the kingdom, to become aware of the kingdom. We said yesterday the born again, the born again life should be marked by kingdom experience. It's a discovery. It's a journey. May we never close our hearts off. For everyone who listens with an open heart will receive, here it is, progressively more revelation. Until he has more. Does anybody want to have more than enough revelation? More than enough clarity? More than enough comprehension? More than enough understanding? I want more than enough. Not barely not just cutting it, not just a little bit. I want more than enough. Don't ever be satisfied with less than what God has provided for you. But those who don't listen with an open, teachable heart, even the understanding that they think they have. You ever met somebody that thinks they know? That's one of the hardest things for me is when I'm listening to someone have a conversation and I know they're getting everything wrong. Y'all ever eavesdropped on a conversation? You're like, oh, they are missing all those facts right now. I know the answers and they're, uh, you know, you're just, you're, you're biting your jaw. Oh, I want to interject right now. And he, they have no idea what they're talking. You know, you just, you want to step in and be like, uh, you don't have a clue. But they think they know. And man, they sound so bold. They sound so confident. They sound so, they are saying it as if it's straight facts. It's like, you have no clue what you're saying right now. Those who think they know, even the understanding that they think they have will be taken from them. That's why I teach the people using parables, because they think they're looking for truth. Yet because their hearts are unteachable, they never discovered, although they will listen to me, they will never fully perceive the message I speak. The prophecy of Isaiah describes them perfectly. Although they listen carefully to everything I speak, they don't understand a thing I say. Mm. They look and pretend to see. But the eyes of their hearts are closed. The minds are dull and slow to perceive. Their ears are plugged and are hard of hearing. And they have deliberately shut their eyes to the truth. Otherwise, they would open their eyes to see. They'd open their ears to hear. They'd open their minds to understand. They would turn to me and I would instantly heal them. Blissful are your eyes for they see. Delighted are your ears for they are open to hear all these things. Many prophets and godly people yearned to see these days the miracles that you've been favored to see. They would have given everything. Are you hearing the posture of the heart that we need to receive the revelation of the kingdom? They would give everything to hear the revelation you've been favored to hear. I'll close with this. In 2020, my wife and I were introduced to a very awesome thing that has uh, become maybe, maybe not so great of a habit. 
In 2020, you know, everybody closed down. Nobody was, you know, had distancing and all this stuff. And you couldn't just walk into a restaurant and go places. And so we started using a service called DoorDash. DoorDash. Not any DoorDash users in the house. Jake, where you at? You better wave your hand at me wherever you're at. Well, your dad already told on you. DoorDash. I found the ease of when I'm hungry. You know, used to, there were levels to this thing. If you're hungry, you get up and you prepare something to eat. But then we ended up, you know, with restaurants. I'm hungry. I don't want to make it myself. So I'll go to a restaurant and have them. They'll sit me down at a table and and they'll, uh, you know, prepare it for me. And I'll just enjoy, you know, just eating the food. But then there's another level called fast food. Because food wasn't enough, we had to find a way to make it fast, quick, convenient. I don't have time to go sit down at a restaurant. I'm hungry, but not hungry enough to go sit at a restaurant. I have, I'm hungry enough to drive through a place in my car, order it without even getting out of my car. But then we were introduced to a whole new level in 2020 called DoorDash. I can literally sit at home. I'm hungry. I don't even have to move. I don't have to get in my car and drive to a restaurant. I don't have to get in my car and drive to a fast food place. I don't have to even get out of my chair. From my phone, I can order in my pajamas. Coffee, breakfast, dinner, all the stuff. The only effort I had to give was to get up out of that chair, walk to the front door. There's times I've literally thought, could they just walk it into where I'm at right now? Just, I've left the door unlocked, come in the front, drop it in my lap. And I'm afraid in these last days, we've created DoorDash disciples. I'm hungry enough as long as someone else prepares it brings it to me. I'll tell you exactly what I want, how I want it, the way I want it. But I'm not hungry enough to get up and make it myself. I'm not hungry enough to devote my time and my energy and my effort to. I'm not hungry enough if I've got to actually invest some time in this thing. I'm not hungry enough if I've actually got to put some work. And he says, there are people, they would have given everything to hear the revelation. You are favored to hear, favored to receive. May we not be those that it has to be prepared and made up and done just right. And if it's not delivered the way we want it, within the confines of how we want it, within the time frame that we want it, within the avenue that we want it, within the the facility that we want it, within the location that we want it, through the man of God that we want it, the way they do it. I like loud preachers. I like quiet preachers. I like teachers. I like apostles. I like evangelists. I like loud music. I like soft music. Why do we got to do it? If we would get rid of our preferences, get rid of our opinions, get rid of our ideas, get rid of I got to have it my way. This is not Burger King. This is kingdom come. Your will be done. And I align my values with your will. Father, we thank you that your will for us is great. It's mighty. It is to our benefit. It is at our best interest. And we do not require you to bow to our standards. We bow our standards to your will, to your plan, to your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com. 